High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. All right, grab your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to take a two-week break from our series on the armor of God uh, to talk about the bread, the wine, and the water. Uh, And what we're going to do over the next couple weeks is we're going to talk about communion, and then we're going to talk about baptism. Because Friday night, we have a communion service. And then not Easter Sunday, but the Sunday after, uh, we have baptism service. I think Pastor Castle told me we already have like... 17 people signed up for baptism on Baptism Sunday already. So that's awesome. Let me encourage you real quick, quick plug. If you haven't been baptized, this is a great time to get baptized. The week after Easter, we're doing it at 1030 in between services. Uh, So you can come to the first service and get baptized and leave, or you can get baptized and go change and hang for the second service, whichever one you want to do. But we have Baptism Sunday. It's going to be just so good. Or maybe you're one of those people that you got baptized whenever you were like five years old and you had no clue what you were doing, uh, and you were just thought you were being pushed underwater for a moment. Uh, And now you have a little bit of a revelation, and you want to get baptized with understanding and revelation. Get signed up. We're going to have a great Baptism Sunday. But we want to talk the next couple weeks about the bread, the wine, and the water on Wednesdays because we need to understand even though these are ordinances that the church holds and we keep to, they are not just vain and empty things that we do. There is meaning and there is power behind the bread, the wine, and the water, behind communion and baptism. It's not just you get dunked because, hey, that's what we do, or we get our our, our little our little cracker and our little our little juice and make us feel good about ourselves because you know we just kind of are going through some sort of ritual it's not merely a ritual there is a reason behind it and there is power behind it whenever you partake of these things with revelation and understanding anything without revelation becomes devoid of power I'm going to say it again. Anything without revelation becomes devoid of power. If you worship without revelation, it will be devoid of power. If you don't have understanding and revelation of communion, you're just eating a little cracker and drinking a little juice. But whenever you have revelation, it begins to unlock something in your life that causes things to change. If you don't understand baptism, you're just getting dunked in the water. But whenever you understand it, it begins to unlock something inside of you. So Hebrews chapter 9, real quick, it says this, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained what? Eternal redemption. Once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. The first thing I wanted us to understand about communion, about the Lord's Supper, is we have to understand the power and the reasoning of the blood of Jesus. Jesus bled for you. Jesus bled for me. Jesus came to shed his blood in order to redeem mankind. The, the, the word You hear that word thrown around a lot this time of year, and we just hear it in church, uh, to be redeemed, or he has redeemed us, or we are redeemed. But the word redeem literally means to buy back. 
That's what the word means. It means to buy back. This is what we need to really uh, let sink in. Before the blood of Jesus and without the blood of Jesus, you were the property of hell. You were the property of hell. And the enemy had free reign to wreak havoc in your life. People that you don't, people that aren't born again, that haven't been washed in the blood, you will see the enemy consistently wreaking havoc in their lives. They may look like they've got it together all on the outside, but there is havoc that is being wreaked in their life on the regular. This, this is why we see all the time, not to go on, a, on too bad of a rabbit trail, but this is why we see all the time people that are rich and powerful and have money and have fame and have power and have influence and all sorts of things. And we see them struggling to make it in life. And a lot of them will even see take their own lives because even though they had all the trappings that the world says makes you successful and happy, the enemy was wreaking havoc in their lives because they were not redeemed by the blood of Jesus. They were still the property of the enemy. You can be a billionaire with a B and still be the property of the enemy. Money cannot buy you back from the hand of the enemy. Money cannot buy you happiness. The only thing that gives you happiness is being redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The only thing that buys you back from hell and makes the hold of hell null and void over your life is the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood, Jesus paid the price and he ushered in a new covenant and the enemy no longer has any legal claim to your life. I said he no longer has any. Not, it's not like he just still gets a little sliver of it. The enemy has zero legal claim to your life because of the blood of Jesus. Listen, I want you to understand something. Jesus did more through the shedding of his blood than just purchase you a ticket to heaven. As a matter of fact, if we simply view the blood of Jesus as a ticket to heaven, we are really cutting short what the blood did. Because the blood didn't just save you from hell eternally. The blood saved you from hell on earth. Come on, somebody. It didn't just save you from eternal hell. It saved you from temporary hell on earth. You Listen, if you're bought with the blood, you shouldn't be experiencing hell on earth every day. You shouldn't be experiencing anguish and, and you should, I'm not, now listen, I want, I, want, I want you to hear me, let me qualify things. It doesn't mean you don't have bad days. It doesn't mean there aren't things that don't get to you sometimes. It doesn't mean that there aren't, sometimes you encounter problems in life. Welcome to earth, right? But you should not be eternally living that way on the hamster wheel of anguish and depression and strife and problems and bitterness and brokenness and sickness and disease. Because the blood of Jesus came to break the hold of those things over your life. The blood of Jesus came to break the back of sickness in your life. The blood of Jesus came to break the back of poverty within your life. The blood of Jesus came to break the back of anxiety and depression in your life. If you're a believer, I'm not saying you don't have to overcome things. I'm saying we do overcome by the power of the blood at the end of the day, though. 
to us says in the book of Revelation, they overcame by what? By the blood of the lamb and what? The word of their testimony. That's also why, listen, this is not on topic. It is a little bit. I'm going to say it anyways. This is why it's important you share your testimony whenever God's done something for you. Because you, one, you continue to overcome by your own testimony. But two, the word of your testimony helps somebody else to overcome. Because there's other people who are going through things that you have gone through and you have overcome. And they're still in the overcoming process. And whenever they begin to hear that God did it for someone else, you know what happens in their life? Faith begins to be stirred. Expectation begins to be stirred. They begin to believe, well, if God did it for, if God did it for, Pastor Gill, then he can certainly do it for me. If God did it for Larry and Gwen, then God can do it for me. Come on. If God did it for anybody in this room, then he can do it for anybody else. He's no respecter of persons. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Don't ever be ashamed to tell you to tell others what God did for you. And don't ever let it become so common that you stop telling people what God did for you. So Jesus' blood did more than just purchase you a ticket to heaven. The broken body and the blood of Jesus, it issued in a new contract, a new covenant with mankind. His blood split time. I said his blood split time. And they teach it different now, I, I, I think. But whenever I was growing up in school, I mean, we were basically taught B.C. was what? Before Christ. And A.D. was, some people said, after death. But it's actually Anno Domino in the year of our Lord. And those were marking points by what Jesus came and what he did. Jesus literally split time, but he certainly split it in that he ushered in a new covenant. Turn to Genesis 15 real quick. I want to talk real quickly about the cutting of covenant. Are you all still with me? Genesis 15, verse 9, it says this. So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him, and he cut them in two down the middle and placed each opposite the other. What we see here is a cutting of covenant. What we see here is covenant being established. And what Abraham is doing here is he is cutting covenant. The word covenant literally means to cut. And as we see in this story, what happened in the old covenant, which thank God that we are part of a new covenant. Praise God. And whenever you read this, you're very thankful that we're part of a new covenant. They, what they would do is they would bring in animals. They would literally cut them in half. And the two parties that were cutting covenant would stand opposite each other. They would meet in the middle. They would, uh, and this was just very common in ancient Near Eastern culture. There's a lot of different things they did with cutting of covenant, but this is one of the things that was uh, uh, consistent across all cultures is they would end up walking in a figure eight pattern, which now, if you draw it in the air, that's a terrible, that's not very good, but if you draw it in the air, if you've ever seen an infinity symbol, it's very similar to what an infinity symbol would look like. They're walking in this figure eight pattern, partially showing that the covenant that was being cut was not intended to be broken and was intended to endure. 
the covenant that we have with Jesus and that Jesus cut for us and that we now have entered into isn't seasonal. There's some contracts that are seasonal. Y'all with me? Some contracts are seasonal. If you bought, if you buy a car, you take out a loan, maybe you get a you know five-year or a six-year note, and once it's paid off, it's yours and the contract's over. Right? The contract that we have, the covenant we have with Jesus is eternal. It is for infinity. It is never ending. And listen, blood was needed for the cutting of covenant. The blood sanctified it, it hallowed it, and it was a witness to the covenant. That's why they cut them in half. As a matter of fact, in, in, I don't want to, they didn't do this in, in Hebrew culture. I was talking to dad about this for service. In other ancient Near Eastern cultures uh, in those days, the Hebrews didn't do it because obviously in the, old, in the, in the, in the uh, old Covenant, there was a strict prohibition against uh, drinking blood. But in a lot of uh, ancient Near Eastern cultures, what they would actually do is they would take and they would uh, prick their finger. The two parties that were entering covenant prick their finger. They would take that finger. They would put it in a the goblet of wine because there was always a covenant meal in every culture. And they would stir. And then the other party would do that. And they would literally drink that wine then, each party, which is pretty gross. Uh, but they would do it partially to say, your blood is now my blood. Can I say that his blood is now our blood? That we've been grafted into his family. Listen, you can't do life without covenant. You can't do life without covenant. You can't do life by yourself. You were intended first and foremost to do life with Jesus and what he's done for us. But you're also called to do life with other people who are in covenant with him. Because if you're in covenant with him, then we're also in covenant together. Are y'all with me? So... The broken body of Jesus became that body that was split. Like how in the old covenant, they would take this body, they would take a carcass and they would split it. And then the two parties that were separated would meet in the middle. So when Jesus hung on the cross, whenever he was battered and broken, he became that body that under the old covenant was broken so that covenant could be made between two parties. Jesus' body was broken, and what happened is we stepped in. And when we stepped on one side, the other side that stepped in was the Father so that we could come into covenant through the broken body of Jesus and that his blood testifies and speaks to that covenant that we have made with him. This is not, Jesus wasn't crucified just because they wanted to kill him. His blood was spilled for the sake of covenant. His blood, his body was broken so that we could meet in the middle with the Father. He became the mediator between God and man when his body was broken so we could meet him in the middle and we could walk into this pattern with the Father by which our covenant extends forever and ever with him. And we are no longer separated from the Father. That's why whenever Jesus died, it's really interesting, the veil was what? Ripped in two. Because what happened once again, that which separated was ripped in two so we could meet in the middle. 
so we can come into covenant with him. You don't have to live separated from the Father anymore because Jesus' body was broken to restore you. You don't have to live in fear of the Father anymore because Jesus' body was broken to redeem you and bring you back into right relationship with the Father. Under the old covenant, when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, you know what they would do? They'd tie a rope around him and a bell. Because if they didn't do every little ritual properly, and if they weren't properly sanctified before they went in, they would die. And if the bell stopped ringing, it was time to start pulling the rope. I'm just really glad as a minister... that Jesus' body was broken <laughs> and I don't have to live in fear of the Father. And if I, had a, if, if I came to church and maybe woke up on the wrong side of the bed one day and went to pray for somebody, I don't keel over dead. <laughs> Amen. We should all be thankful for the broken body of Jesus. Listen, whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper, whenever we partake of the bread, we aren't just eating a little cracker. I heard somebody say once I mean I, I I get my I eat my little cracker and I drink my little drink and I'm like you are you are insulting the broken body of Jesus right now because his body is more than a little cracker Whenever we partake of communion together we are remembering his body that was broken for us so that we could be in unity with the Father It's not just a little thing you eat because it's what we do we are remembering what he did. I got to keep going. Power of the blood. Let's talk about the blood. Let's keep talking about the blood. It's through the blood that redemption has been obtained. Bloods of, blood of bulls and goats was insufficient for eternal salvation, eternal redemption. So because the blood of bulls and goats wasn't enough, you know what they do? Bring it every time. But the blood of Jesus was for eternal redemption. Once and for all. So you don't have to bring Bessie the cow to church on Sunday morning to be able to enter in and worship. You don't have to bring Pete the parakeet as a blood offering so that you can enter into worship of the Father. Jesus was the sacrifice once and for all. His blood is Enough, And I want you to understand this. We talk about the blood of Jesus in relation to sin. Jesus' blood didn't just cover sin. Jesus' blood removed it. It removed it completely. It's not just covering something over. It's removing it. It's been blotted out. It's been, your sin has been cast as far as the east is from the west. The Father doesn't even remember it. He doesn't even take note of it any longer. Maybe when you were younger, you had that, and I've seen this in, in there was, anybody remember Jack Chick Tracks? Remember Chick Tracks from back in the day, a couple of y'all? And there was several Chick Tracks. There are complete Twitter uh, uh, accounts dedicated to Chick Tracks and how absurd they were. And uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are trying to figure it out. They were little comic books like this big, and they were black and white, and generally it had something about the Pope being the Antichrist or something was in there for sure that was anti-Catholic to an nth degree. And uh, God was a big faceless man because it was too difficult to draw facial features apparently, so God looked faceless. 
And uh, in several of the chick tracks, there would be the seat of judgment, not the seat of judgment, like the movie theater screen would be shown. And everybody else standing in line to be judged watched the worst moments of your life play out on screen for everybody in the world to see who was also waiting judgment and every little sin that you did was played over. Let me just let you know, there is absolutely zero biblical backing for anything even remotely close to that. When you're in Christ, the Father takes no record of the sin that is in your life previously. The blood of Jesus has completely erased it. It is forgotten. You don't have to live in shame or condemnation for what happened 10 years ago, five years ago, or last month. Now, if you're still doing stuff, you obviously need to get delivered, set free, and stop it. But I'm saying what's in your past, you don't have to be in fear over it. The Father has cast it into the sea of forgetfulness. Why? Because the blood of Jesus erased your sin, not just covered it. Y'all with me? The other great news is this. Jesus' blood doesn't just remove the sin. He also removes the power of sin. The power that sin once had in your life has been removed. You know what that means? It means you don't have to live continuing in sin. I heard Jesse DePlanis say this once. He said, growing up, we were always told we were going to have to sin a little bit each day. And if we heard we were going to have to sin a little bit each day, we were going to make sure it counted. We were going to make it count if we had to sin a little bit each day. You don't have to sin a little bit each day. The power of sin has been broken over your life through the blood of Jesus. Am I saying that you're going to be perfect and never have an issue again? Absolutely not. But you shouldn't wake up in the morning going, you know what? I'm going to do some bad stuff today. It is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. You don't have to live in sin. The blood eradicated the power of sin over your life. Turn to 1 Corinthians 11. I'm going to close up pretty fast here. Listen, this brings us to what we're talking about with communion. Through communion, we celebrate our covenant. We'll probably read this again on, on Friday, but we're going to read it tonight. 1 Corinthians 11, starting verse 23, says this, for I, see, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. I love this verse. We gloss over this verse, but this verse is so good. For as long, often as you Eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So we're encouraged here by Paul, echoing the words of Jesus, to do this in remembrance. Remembrance means to call to mind. Jesus emphasized the importance of remembering what took place at Calvary. Before it even happened, he said, y'all need to remember what's about to happen. You need to remember this. Take note of this. This is not merely, hear, hear this. This is not merely remembering his suffering, but rather what happened as a result of it. 
So communion is not meant just to make you cry because you get images of the passion of the Christ and Jim Caviezel getting whooped in your brain. That's not what it's talking about. What Jesus is saying is remember what this accomplished. Remember what this does for you. Remember now because my body was broken and because my blood was spilled, what that means for you. Remember not just my body broken because it's going to make you feel emotional. Remember my body broken because when my body was broken, it cleared the path for you to meet the Father. Don't just remember my blood spilled because it's graphic. Remember my blood spilled because my blood spilled blotted out your sin and removed the power of sin from your life. Listen, and not only that, Jesus said this. He goes, as often as you do this, you're going to proclaim my death until he comes. Jesus said, Paul said, until the Lord comes, you will proclaim his death. What are we doing? What does that mean? Does that just mean we're going, hey, everybody, Jesus died? No, what it means is this. We're reminding the enemy. We're reminding the enemy, hey, you see this? I'm not your property anymore. Hey, you see this? You have no legal authority in my life anymore. Hey, you see this? You once could oppress me, and guess what? You can't oppress me any longer. Hey, guess what? You once could make me sick, but you can't make me sick any longer. Hey, you once had free reign to come in and mess up my family, but guess what? You don't have the free reign any longer. I'm partaking of this communion to let the enemy know you lost. It's over. You might think you have a shot, but you don't have a shot because you see this bread, his body was broken. And you see this, this means his blood was spilled for me. We're proclaiming <laughs> what he did for us. In verse 24, it says, eat, this is my body. The word body there, the root word is sozo. It means healing. It means deliverance. It means salvation. When Jesus said, this is my body, he was saying, hey, this is your healing. This is your deliverance. This is your salvation. It doesn't say this was just your ticket out of hell. It says this is your healing. This is your deliverance. This is your salvation. This is for you now, not just in a day and an age that is to come. This is for today. This is for now. There's salvation, healing, and deliverance through the broken body of Jesus. Whenever we begin to partake of communion, we remember the significance of the new covenant that was ratified. We remember that he came and he split time in half. And he said, hey, the way it used to be ain't the way it is anymore. Hey, there's a new covenant that's established now. There's a new way of doing things. And guess what? You don't have to live in fear anymore. And guess what? You don't have to live sick and broken anymore. You don't have to live sick and tired all the time. You can live in newness of life. Now, I'm going to finish with this thought. In every contract, there's always an exchange. Right? How many of you... How many of you how many of you uh, uh, have ever bought like a house or a car or something like that, right? You ever bought something like that? And what happens? You go, you sign a contract, a covenant, and what happens? You give something, you get something. That's the way it works. 
We bought a new house this year. Sold a house and bought a house. Well, I mean, technically last year. Within the last year. When I sold my house, I gave them keys and I got a check. Praise God. Last time I sold a house, I gave them keys and I gave them money. That was not a good exchange. <laughs> but this time we bought right at the, right at the mortgage crash uh, the first time in 07. And then everybody else having an 08. But uh, this time when we sold our house, we gave them keys and garage door openers and we got a check in return. Praise God. And then whenever we bought our house, guess what? I gave them money. All the money that I just got, I gave it to the other people. I gave them money and I got keys. There's always an exchange with a contract or with a covenant, right? And here's the good news about the new covenant. When a new covenant was cut, there was an exchange. There was the greatest exchange in all of history. It's the most lopsided contract ever. And the good news is this, it's in your favor. And it goes something like this, that Jesus took your sin and he gave you his righteousness. That Jesus took your spiritual death and he gave you life everlasting. That he took your sickness and you got divine health. That he took your oppression and he gave you his peace. That he took your sorrow and gave you his joy. He took your poverty and he gave you his blessing. He took your defeat and he gave you his victory. He took your brokenness and he gave you his wholeness. He took your hatred and he gave you his love. Are y'all with me? He took your shattered dreams and he gave you fulfillment. He took your broken relationships and he gave you restoration. Listen, whenever we partake of covenant, it's not just a bread and a little juice. It's remembering that there's a covenant that's been cut. There's an exchange and we got the good end of the exchange. We got the great end of the exchange. We got the best deal that's ever been seen. Listen, I've got some good deals in the natural before. Anybody ever gotten a good deal in the natural before? I've gotten some really great deals. There's no greater deal than I ever received than the deal of the new covenant that Jesus gave us. Listen, if it's deal or no deal, you're hitting that deal button immediately when this one goes on the table. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, it is the greatest deal ever. There's an exchange that took place at Calvary and we got the good end of the deal. That's why we partake of communion. It's not just so we can go through a little ritual and it's something we do because, you know, it's in the Bible. There's power in it. There's a remembering. I believe, let me say this, I believe that whenever we partake of communion, when you do it with revelation, it's spiritual warfare because you're reminding the enemy, hey man, no trespassing. And you're a trespasser and you're not allowed in. We're reminding him. We are reminding him you have no place. And we're reminding ourselves that we don't have to live broken. We don't have to live hopeless. And we don't have to live in condemnation. Because Jesus has redeemed us. That Christ is the victor. Sin and death has been vanquished. Once and for all. I said this, I think in the second service, N.T. Wright says this, I'm close with this. N.T. Wright says this, that death is the last weapon of the tyrant. 
that all people who operate in tyranny, that have attempted to impose tyranny in the natural or obviously in the spirit, that their greatest weapon is death. They kill people to impose tyranny. And you know what? Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated death. So guess what? No tyrant can have any place in your life. The tyrant of the enemy can't have any place in your life. What's he going to threaten you with? He has no weapon. And even the weapons he might have, no weapon formed against me shall prosper because I've been grafted into a new covenant. Will you stand to your feet? I want to encourage you once again. We're not partaking of communion tonight, but we're going to on Friday. And I hope you come into Friday night with fresh eyes to see as we partake of communion. Fresh eyes to understand this isn't just a ritual. There's power in what we're doing. Will you lift your hands to heaven tonight? I just want you to pray with me and say, Father God, I thank you tonight for Jesus, for his body that was broken for me, for his blood that was spilled for me, for a new covenant that I've entered into through the sacrifice of Jesus. And I say tonight that because of that covenant, the enemy has no place in my life. The enemy has no place in my family because Jesus is the victor and I'm in Christ. So I am a victor through his blood and through his broken body. The enemy has been defeated and I have been declared victorious. I thank you for it tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. Can you give Lord a hand of praise? Give him a shout tonight, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.